Amen. Amen. You can have a seat and you can open up your copy of God's life-giving word to the book of John. We will be in John chapter 10 this morning. And uh, this is the last sermon in a super short series of sermons that we've called Toolbox, seeking to equip us with tools to follow Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at tools for talking Jesus with the people around us, and we gave you some tools to do that, that, that this faith is so good, it's so life-changing, it's so, such a treasure that we know that there's no way that we can keep it to ourselves, but we want to give it to as many people as we possibly can around us. And so we gave you some tools to help you with that. I hope you've been taking advantage of those tools. I hope you've been praying for people regularly. I hope you've been maybe even had an opportunity to share the three circles with someone or your 15-second testimony of what your life was like before you met Jesus, how Jesus has changed you and, and the difference that he's making in your life. And then uh, Pastor John, of course, uh, sh- shared God's word with us last week, looking at tools for reading the word of God and how we can hear from God daily through his word. And today I want to share some tools with you on what it looks like to walk with God daily in such a way that we can regularly hear his voice leading us as we follow Jesus and journey with Jesus. And so uh, I want to read for us and just jump right into the text. Uh, John chapter 10. We have a lot of ground to cover. And just FYI, I'm coming in super hot today. Uh, that's not a spiritual assessment of my heart, although I hope that's true. Uh, but we, we got back from vacation yesterday at 4 p.m. Okay, so, so I'm just coming in hot. Pray for Pastor Tanner. Uh, I always need it, and I especially need it today. And if you really want motivation for prayer right now, in Jesus' name, um, I've got 3,600 words here, and I normally come in with 21. So I need some prayer, unless you want to be here in this hot theater for an hour and a half. Okay, so let's pray. Uh, let's, let's, let's pray. God, help me today, in Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen. All right, John chapter 10, starting in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, That man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, He goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but a little irony here. They did not understand what he was saying to them. must not have been Jesus' sheep. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. 
I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This morning, I want us to see there is so much that we could learn and, and, and examine from John chapter 10. But what I want us to zero in on this morning is, is hearing the voice of the shepherd. Jesus calls himself here the good shepherd. And he says that the sheep, my sheep, my people know my voice and they follow me. And I am leading them all of the days of their life. And so I just want us to focus in on this reality of hearing God's voice today. And the point, the simple point of the message is this. Jesus goes before us and he leads us with his voice. Jesus goes before us and he leads us with his voice. We just read about it in John chapter 10, uh, but we need to understand what's going on here in John chapter 10. John chapter 10 gives us a portrait of how Jesus relates to his people. Jesus is the good shepherd. The sheep in the, the, the story here, in the words of Christ, are his people who have heard his voice and have chosen to follow him and live their lives for him. And, and the, the imagery here, sometimes you, you'll read a book or, or you'll, 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 you'll hear a Bible study and they'll get all into the technical details of shepherding and the agricultural, you know, culture of the day and, and what it was like to be a shepherd in the first century. And listen, some of that can be helpful, no doubt. But we need to understand that the primary context for Jesus talking about being the good shepherd is the Old Testament, where in Jeremiah 23 and Ezekiel 34, God is calling out the leaders of his people who were called to be shepherds and saying, hey, guess what? You're not doing a very good job of leading my people and shepherding my people, and you need to get back to my heart and hear my voice and communicate what I have said to my people. And then, of course, we know that Psalm 23, David prays the prayer uh, 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 that we have, you know, just get, received so much comfort and instruction by, where he begins by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Though I walk for the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel right for you're with me, your rod and your staff, they come for me. God is the good shepherd and Jesus rolls on the scene in John chapter 10. And here's a spoiler alert for the gospel of John. Jesus is saying right here in this one statement, twice, I am God. I am divine. He, he says it by saying, I am, which he says seven times in the gospel of John, which is an echo of Exodus 3.14, where God gives his name, and his name is Yahweh, I am. And so when Jesus says, I am the door here, I am the good shepherd, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the bread of life, he is saying, I am, I am. But then on top of that, the second allusion clearly is what we just saw in Psalm 23, I am the good shepherd. God is shepherd. And Jesus is pointing them to say, here's an allusion to the fact that I am more than just a man. Yes, I am fully man, but also fully God. So what do we learn here from the good shepherd about how he speaks to his children and calls us to live our lives with and for him? 
Number one, simply this. The voice of Jesus calls us to follow him. The voice of Jesus calls us to follow him. We see this in the first few verses. In verses one and two, Jesus contrasts his leadership with the, the religious leaders of the day. And, and if you think Jesus didn't shoot straight, like Jesus wouldn't do well in New England because people just tell you like it is around here, okay, we see that Jesus is calling the religious leaders that he just had an encounter with in John chapter nine, he is calling them, oh wait, let's see, um, thieves and robbers. <laughs> he's, he's comparing the religious leaders to these, these thieves and robbers that would seek to come in and take the sheep away, to lead the sheep astray. And he's saying, that's what these religious leaders are like. They, they know the, the, the ins and outs of the law, but they don't know God. They don't live for God. In fact, there's so much about themselves that they make up rules to look good in the sight of others, and they are leading my people astray. And Jesus also calls them at the end of chapter 9, blind. They are blind guides. He would say it again in Matthew 23, leading the blind. But Jesus came to give sight. He came to bring us light. So that's what we see in verse 3. It says that the, the gatekeeper opens the, 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 the gate of the sheep fold, the sheep pen, and the shepherd enters in and starts calling his sheep out and calling them by name. And here we get a little theology for you, okay? Because when, when God sent Jesus into the world, he sent Jesus to be the savior of all people. Okay, guess what? God wants every person to know him. God made every person on the planet, and he wants all of us to know him, love him, and walk with him. So this call of salvation goes to every person on the planet. It is the general call of God's salvation. If you want to be reconciled back to God and have your relationship restored with God, that happens through Jesus Christ. God sent his one and only son because he loved the world that whoever believes in him can have life, eternal life in his name. And that happens because Jesus died on the cross for our sin and rose from the dead that we might have life in his life. And so that's the general call of salvation. It goes out to everyone. But the effectual call of salvation is when the Holy Spirit takes the, the general call and he applies it to the heart and he makes the heart come alive. And, he's, and, and, and in our hearts we're saying, hey, that's for me. This is what happened to me as an eight-year-old boy when I had a, a, a vacation Bible school teacher. Maybe you've heard of that. Maybe you, you're like, what in the world is that? Okay, it's like a summer camp for kids where it's all about the Bible. And, and they were explaining the gospel to me, and I started to understand, hey, Jesus didn't just die in a generic way. He died specifically for me. And it wasn't long after that when I responded in repentance and faith and put my trust in Jesus. And so when Jesus is saying in Verse 3, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. This is a picture of salvation. This is a picture of God calling to each one of us. Maybe he's calling to you today to say, listen, all the stuff that you've been looking for and all the ways that you're seeking to find satisfaction in life, they don't ultimately satisfy. But if you look to the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, you will receive salvation and abundant life now and forevermore. But also notice that verse 3 tells us, I love this, this is not just a specific effectual call, it is a personal call. 
I, I never get tired of saying this as a pastor. I never get tired of saying this as someone who follows Jesus, trying to help someone else follow Jesus, okay? God knows your name. He knows your name. He knows you so intimately. He loves you so personally. The book of Revelation would even tell us that Jesus will give us a new name that no one else knows except the one who receives it in the new heavens and the new earth. Listen, it doesn't get any more intimate than that. That's the kind of personal love with which God loves us. And so the voice of Jesus calls us to follow him in, in, a, in a salvific way, in a way that, that is pulling us into the life of Christ. But it's not just a one-time thing. That's, that's what I'm here to, to, to help explain from the words of this passage as well as we're going to see. We're going to give you a lot of scripture today. Okay? The words of the Bible is that God invites us into a relationship by which he is continuing to lead us all the days of our lives. And that's what we see in verse 4. The voice of Jesus not only calls us to follow him, the voice of Jesus, number two, leads us into life every day. The voice of Jesus leads us into life every day. Look at verse 4. It says this. When he, speaking of himself, Jesus, the good shepherd, has brought out all his own. Okay, so now they're, now they're out. They're going out into the field. What does it say? It says, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. Why? For they know his voice. This is the essence of Christianity. This is the essence of discipleship. We've been talking about discipleship all year at Redemption House while we're journeying through the, Mark, the gospel of Mark all year long. And we're saying, hey, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus in discipleship. And so when Jesus says, I'm going before them and they follow me because they hear my voice, it's, it's a picture of how we're continually following Jesus as we hear his voice day by day. I want you to th see three truths from, from this verse here. Number one, Jesus has a distinct, familiar voice. Jesus has a distinct, familiar voice. And, and the more you follow him, listen, and the longer you walk with him, I want to give you some confidence here today, okay? The more you will recognize his voice. Colin Cruz puts it like this. He says this. In fact, when a sheep is brought, bought, from one owner and placed with different sheep in its new owner's courtyard, it experienced, listen, great trauma for the first few days. It hears the voice of a shepherd, a new shepherd, a different shepherd calling after them, but it is not the voice to which it is accustomed, and it even runs from him, though it is desperate to get to the countryside to graze. See, God's voice is a recognizable voice. Jesus goes on in, in verse 5, and he says, a stranger they will not follow. And he's talking about the religious leaders of the day, and, and even verse 10, which we normally attribute and say, oh, that's the devil. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. But this is primarily talking about the religious leaders of the day, that this is effectually what they're doing. They're, they're taking from God's plan and God's people. Of course, it does apply to Satan because they were speaking his native language, which are lies and leading them astray. But, but just, just think about this. Does, does anyone ever get, does everyone ever get um, un, un, calls from unknown numbers 
Anyone ever just raise your hand if you get unknown numbers? So, I mean, I don't know about you, but those are like going straight to voicemail, like, like 95% of time, just like unknown, like it's probably a spam call, don't know you, so I'll just catch up. If it's important, I'll catch up later. If not, I'll read the first few, you know, lines of the, the, the automation, you know, text, thank you, iPhone, and, and then I'll just delete it, you know, and I'll even listen to it. But, um, but I'll tell you this, if, if my dad, if my mom, if my sister, if my wife, if my kids ever call me from an unknown number and I pick up, as soon as they say hello, I will recognize their voice. That's the kind of intimacy and relationship that Jesus here is describing for us. He wants us to walk with him in such a way that no matter what we're up to, no matter what we're facing, what we're up against, that the wisdom that we need for life to, to discern and differentiate, to make wise decisions, he's saying, listen, I will walk with you. I will go before you. I will keep speaking to you, and you will hear my voice. The voice of Jesus is distinct and familiar. But then number two, I love this. Jesus leads us by going before us every day. I've read some commentators and a lot of pastors that I love and listen to, you know, dozens of times would, would say, hey, look, Jesus is only talking about salvation here. And so the, once you hear the call of Jesus to, to follow him for salvation, then you're good to go. But then only God speaks through scripture and scripture is, is it in the story. And you cannot expect to hear the voice of God in a personal way today. And we'll talk more about that in a minute, but let me just help us out here from the text of John chapter 10. The implication is this picture is constant, ongoing leadership. I mean, just think about the metaphor. If we only had the metaphor of a shepherd and a sheep, how many days do sheep need a shepherd? One day? One time just to start? Like, hey, the field's out there, good luck. Maybe you'll find some, some water out there, you know, just that way. No, the picture is an everyday leadership. In verse three, just the text communicates this in the, in the language that Jesus uses. It says in verse three, he leads them. Okay, let me get a little technical with you. That is in the Greek, a present active indicative verb, which means he leads them and continues to lead them. In verse 4, when it talks about the sheep, the sheep follow him. It's a present active indicative verb, which means the sheep follow him and they continue to follow him. And then when we move down to verse 27, and Jesus goes on to teach and he comes back to this at a, at a feast at a subsequent point. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Follow me is in the present active indicative. It means that they continue to follow him. So this is, this is an ongoing leadership of Jesus, not just, and I'll hit this in a minute, not just for our justification where we are counted righteous in the sight of God and we receive salvation, but it is for us to become more like Jesus as he is changing us day by day by day. But, but, but look in verse 27 real quick. I want to give you just a little bit more from John chapter 10. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. When it comes to hearing the voice of God, this is a, this is a real question. 
You don't have to answer it verbally, but I want you to answer it just in your mind and heart right now. When it comes to hearing the voice of God, what's more important? Your knowledge of him or his knowledge of you? What, what comes first? Our knowledge of him or his knowledge of us? Notice in verse 27 that Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them, not they know me. We would expect Jesus, hey, my sheep hear my voice and they know me and they follow me. That's not what he said. He said, my, she- my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. When it comes to following Jesus, his knowledge of us is always first and always more important. And why is that? I just Let me take you back to my high school days. It was so good. Uh, this past week, uh, Friday, when we were in Kentucky, uh, I called up my backcourt teammate, Josh Howard. If you listen to this, I'm going to send this to Josh. Okay, love you. Good to see you on Friday. Okay, Josh Howard was my backcourt teammate uh, in high school, and we, we played together uh, for, for a couple years after we, you know, moved to Shelby County and, and uh, played my junior and senior year. Uh, but, but I played, and Josh played for my dad, who props to Curtis Turley, uh, Kentucky High School, Basketball Hall of Fame, uh, decent career, 624 wins. Um, so he knew a little bit about basketball, and he knew not only a little bit about basketball, he knew a little bit about the way that I play basketball. So, so people always ask me, like, hey, how was it playing for your dad? Was he harder on you than he was everybody else? Yes, he was. <laughs> but he was also the best coach I ever had. Not only because he's one of the greatest coaches in Kentucky high school basketball history, but because do you think that any coach I ever had knew me better than my dad? Who was with me in the driveway when I was seven years old? Who was with me as an 11-year-old watching me play in, in junior high and then in, in high school? And he was with me all the time. No one knew me better than him. No one knew my game better than him. No one knew my jump shot. I can still shoot it, by the way. Um, better, <laughs> check my Instagram page if you don't believe me. No, I'm sorry. Keep me humble, Lord Jesus. Keep me humble today. That's not from you. Pride is not from you. I hear you saying, be humble. Um, so <laughs> my dad my dad knew me. What was, what was the most important thing for me? To know, to know my dad or for my dad to know me? Jesus knows us. And he leads us. And by the way, this teaches us, listen, that grace always comes first. God is seeking us before we are seeking him. God is speaking to us before we are speaking to him. God is loving us before we are loving him. And I hope this one truth just starts to revolutionize the way that you walk with God every single day. Because listen, God's eyes are on you. He sees everything. He knows every thought that you will have today and tomorrow. And he wants to help you. He wants to guide you. He doesn't just say, hey, look, like here's the world that you're going to live in and good luck. No, he speaks to us. Yes, he speaks to us through scripture. That's why every single Sunday we are working through books of the Bible and text in the Bible explaining what the scripture is saying and how it applies to our lives. But yes, God speaks to us through his still small voice in a variety of ways as he leads us and goes before us. So this voice of 
God is, is, is going before us every day, and, and it, I can't miss this, it leads to life. Look at verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It tells me that God did not just invite me to eternal life with him forever one day after this life is done, but God invites me into abundant life by which I can have love, joy, peace, patience, all of these, these gifts of the Spirit every single day of my journey through this life. And so I know you probably have some questions about hearing God's voice as you daily walk with him. And so I want to ask some questions that you're probably asking and do my best to answer them as we move through the rest of our time together in God's word. This is not exhaustive, and as I look at the clock, I can't give you everything that I plan to give you today, so I'm going to do my best. Let's, let's get started. Okay, so number one, does God still speak? And what I mean by that is God has spoken through his word. God has spoken through the, the words of the Bible. He has spoken through the eternal word, Jesus Christ. But does he still speak to us in a personal way today, guiding us through life as we journey with him? And I believe he absolutely does. But like you, I have some concerns about that because it opens up to what? Subjectivism, right? Like, like this word is objective. These are words on a page written by authors and we can examine these words and we can understand them through principles of interpretation and we can say, God said, love your neighbor and that's what I gotta do. But if, but if God is guiding me in an area of my life, I may hear him clearly or I may not hear him clearly. So what do we do with that? related to that, it can be dangerous, right? I mean, what do you do when someone comes to you and says, God told me to fill in the blank? I mean, like if God told you to do something, then what are you, you going to say to that? And I'm going to give us some, a tool to how we filter out the subjectivism as best as we possibly can, as well as take the danger away through these filters that we would uh, run any word that we believe God is, is speaking to us through. But then finally, the theological concern, I've already alluded to it. So we, we believe that the canon of Scripture is closed. In other words, the 66 books of the Bible, there, there are going to be no more books to, to the Bible, okay? God has given us everything we need for life and godliness and salvation through these words. Therefore, the thought can be, well, if God has, has said all that he's going to say in, say in Scripture, then he must not plan to speak to us personally on top of that. And I want to be very, very clear. And if you doubt me, we, I'm not the only pastor at Redemption Hill. We have pastors of our church, okay? And we lead our church according to our statement of faith. And the very first article of the statement of faith is about the Bible and how it is authoritative and it is inerrant. That is meaning it's perfect in the original manuscripts that they were written. Okay, there are no errors in the Bible. It, it is uh, clear. It is uh, trustworthy. It is truthful. It is sufficient. But listen to the words of Dallas Willard. As he talks about this subject, he says this, which, which I, I would agree with. 
the close of the scriptural canon, 66 books, marks the point in the still ongoing divine human conversation where the principles and doctrines that form the substance of the Christian faith and practice are so adequately stated in human language that nothing more needs to be said in general. So let me just say this, okay? If you never think that you hear the voice of God the rest of your Christian life, you, you still have everything you need right here, okay? The scriptures are sufficient. But what I'm trying to communicate today is, is that God wants to continue to lead us personally, and he wants to speak to us personally in the very moments and, and situations and circumstances of our daily lives. And so Willard affirms this. He says, biblical Christians believe that no further, nothing further will be said by God to extend or contradict these principles. But... Can everybody say, but, but biblical Christians, listen, are not just people who heard, hold certain beliefs about the Bible. They are also people who lead the kind of life demonstrated in the Bible, a life of personal, intelligent interaction with God. And then he goes on to say, which is pretty bold, anything less makes a mockery of the priesthood of the believer. In other words, God has made us all priests before him, and you don't need a pastor or a priest to go between you and God, but you can speak to God directly, and God can speak to you directly. So, I know, I know some of this may make you a little nervous for the reasons I just stated. And again, I applaud that. And we should be good Bereans, right? We should examine what the scripture says, not just in John 10, but the rest of the Bible. But let me give you some, some quick further arguments for why I believe God is still speaking to us in personal ways today. Number one is the theological reason. God is Father, Son, and Spirit. Fathers continue to speak words of instruction and encouragement for specific situations. Fathers, I love this, Zephaniah 3, fathers sing over their children. How much of a relationship do we have with a father who never speaks to us. Jesus in John 10, we already saw he's the good shepherd. Listen, I can't tell you how many times when I'm counseling someone through a trial in their life or they're making a decision, most often the, the two passages of scripture that I quote are John chapter 10 and Romans 8, 14. As many are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. So, so, so like when we're making decisions, when we're up against it, when we don't know what to do, listen, God is our good shepherd. He's going to lead us. He's going to guide us. He's going to speak to us and help us along. But not only God the Father and God the Son, how about God the Holy Spirit? Jesus says this in John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And then we have specific instances in the book of Acts, like chapter 13, where it says, the Spirit said to the church, set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work to which I have called them. But not just the theological, 
What about the relational dynamic, right? Like, like we as, as people who believe the Bible and the gospel, we are constantly helping people see, hey, God has not called us into a religion of a set of list of do's and don'ts, okay, but a relationship, right? We're called to a relationship with God, an active, vibrant relationship with God. Psalm 25 verse 14 says, the friendship of the Lord is with those who fear him. Exodus 33 verse 11 says that God spoke to Moses as a friend speaks to a friend. Jesus says, I have called you friends in John chapter 15. Genesis chapter 5, before Moses, Enoch, it says that Enoch walked with God and he was no more because God took him. That's friendship with God. That's walking with God. And I already touched on this, but, but salvation, listen, we, we don't only need to hear God's voice for our justification to be counted righteous in Jesus, but we need God's voice to help us navigate life and honor him in all of our ways as we grow to become more like Jesus. That is sanctification, if you are taking notes. What about this one? Wisdom. Does, does anyone ever need some wisdom for the broken world that we live in? Things aren't perfect. Uh, people people are, are, are doing this and that. And, and we experience so much trouble and trial in our lives. God speaks to us in the specific situations. To, to yes, Take the truths of the Bible and the wisdom principles of the Bible, but then apply them in the specific situations that we face in this life. What about the story of Scripture? Adam is in the garden, and he is with God, and he is speaking with God personally, and that is how everything is going to end up in God's new heavens and new earth. We are going to be with him in his presence forever. It's about a relationship and a friendship with God. And the story of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation affirms it. Hey, what about this one? Prayer. We can say conversational guidance we need when we pray. Do you ever pray? Hey, God, help me here. God, God, teach me what you want me to do in this situation. God, I do not know what to say to this person, but I need your help to love them, to be compassionate, to speak a word of, of hope and counsel. Like, do, do we expect him to answer those prayers? Do we expect him to guide us day by day? And then finally, here, here's another one, I think a very valid argument. What about spiritual warfare? Like, do you, do you believe that Satan lies to us? Does anyone believe that Satan lies to us? Can you, can you raise your hand? Like, he lies to us. He lies to us all day long, all the time. So if, if Satan is still speaking and lying to us, do we not think that God can speak the truth to us anytime, anywhere? Listen, oftentimes what God is going to say in the moment is the very words of Scripture. He's gonna, that's what he says. He's going to bring the words of Scripture back to our minds. He's going to show us, or he's going to give us the wisdom to, to know how to navigate that temptation to, to say no to the devil and to say yes to him. And so I hope that these reasons, these arguments help you see that God is still speaking. He's leading us as a friend, leads a friend, as a father, leads a child. But how does God speak? Sometimes we 
think like, hey, I just got to like go with the random verse method. Like, God, I need you to speak to me. So I'm just going to like open the Bible. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. You heard that last year. Um, I, need, I need a word, God. Uh, all sheep and oxen and also beasts of the field. Psalm 8, verse 7. No, that's not going to be helpful to me today, Lord. I, sometimes that's what, that's what we do, right? Or, you know, the open door method is like, hey, if God opens the door, then it must be God's voice saying, like, go for it. Without discernment, without asking good and godly questions about that open door. Because not every open door is an open door from God. In fact, God likes to shut doors a lot of times too. And then you have the, the fleece method, Gideon in, in Judges chapter 6. If you do this, God, then I'll do that. And we put God to the test. And if God shows up and does a sign and a wonder, then I'll, that's my answer. How does God speak to us today? I want to try to move through these quickly and give you a few examples along the way. First and foremost, God speaks to us in Scripture. He speaks to us in Scripture. This is why last week was so important. That's why this week follows last week. Because we have to be what Colossians 3 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How are you going to discern the voice of God in the everyday if you don't know what God has already said in these 66 books? Dig into scripture, meditate on scripture, memorize scripture, hide it in your heart. This is why we keep focusing on one million minutes with God this year as a church family, that which just simply means that if each one of us spend at least, at least being the operative words, 15 minutes with God in devotional time, that collectively we would spend one million minutes with God because there is nothing more important than our daily relationship, friendship with God. So we need to know God's book. And listen, as I already said, so many times as we're praying for someone, God will bring a scripture to mind or just as we're in a, an encouraging conversation, he speaks a word of scripture. I can tell you that three times in the past four months, three different people have shared with me an obscure verse out of John chapter one where Jesus is speaking about Nathaniel. And they quoted that verse in relation to me. And I can tell you that in my 40 years of living, no one has ever shared that verse with me probably, and especially not applied it to me. But I, I don't know about you, but like three times, four months, obscure verse, different people, different places, different contexts, different reasons. I'm paying attention. God speaks through his word and he speaks specifically. I would challenge you this, and this is, this is part of, I love this, okay? Are you, are, you, are you tracking with me? I know it's hot in here. Okay, are we good? Can you nod your head if you're good? Okay, so are, you're not tired because I'm not tired. I know it's different when you're speaking and when you're listening, all right? But listen, when we talk about talking Jesus with people and we talk about receiving the word with people, what happens when in the morning I'm just, I'm in, I'm in, Romans, again, I'm just going to go back and read some of Romans. We were just in Romans as a church family. And, I, and I'm reading uh, chapter, chapter uh, you know, 10 about, um, you know, how God uh, it needs to, the, the, the people have to hear the word because they can't, they can't be saved unless they hear the word. And, and so, and, and just as I'm reading that, God puts a specific person into my mind. Could it be that God is saying, hey, hey, that person but, but even, even if not, what about this? Praying and saying, God, would you bring someone to mind that, that I can 
share a word of encouragement with, a word of counsel. Like what you teach me today, God, what you burn in my heart because my heart burns when I'm with you and I read your word. God, would you show me someone along the path today, whether they are part of this church or part of my neighborhood or whatever. It's like, hey, you know, you just read about how God frees us from worry and then you're having a conversation with a neighbor who is riddled with anxiety. Hey, maybe God is speaking, saying, share that word with them. God speaks through scripture. Number two, God speaks through people. Every Sunday morning, I get a, a text message from a man named Kevin Dunlap. He's a pastor in, uh, in Georgia. Uh, they, they support all kinds of churches uh, here in Boston. And, and I can't tell you how many times, how many times, like it's not a generic text, like, hey, praying for you today with little praying hands, that's great. No, no, no hate on that. I do that a lot. But, but, but he, it's a different text every week. And I can't tell you how many times the text message that he sends to me is exactly what I need to hear for today. God speaks through people. He speaks through impressions. I just kind of described that for you. But, but listen, God may say, hey, talk to somebody. Like talk to that person. Hey, that person that, that just shared what's going on with, with, with their lives, hey, pray for them. Pray, pray for them. And, and not, not just like pray for them, like, you know, tonight when you go to bed and you, no, pray for them right now. That's an impression. God is, God is leaning our hearts, prompting us, nudging us, saying, hey, this is what I want you to do. Uh, Seth Barnes puts it like this. He says, impressions often seem very much like our own thoughts. The Holy Spirit may speak to us in an impression, a voice so still and small that it is easy to dismiss as being our own. Indeed, most American Christians probably do dismiss this voice and so never sharpen their spiritual hearing. If we were able to immediately recognize his voice, the Christian life will, will not be only a matter of obedience. Discernment and wisdom would not play such an, an important role in our lives. However, the fact is that we refine our senses by focusing on them. That is how a blind person refines the senses of touch and hearing far beyond the level of those who, of us who see. He focuses on them. What he's saying is we need to pay attention when we're walking with God and we hear that still small voice saying, hey, go here, do that. I mean, do you ever like just pray like, hey, God, where, what do you want me to do today? Like when you have some free time, it's like, hey, do you want us to go to like, it's the summertime, thank God, and we're going to go to the beaches. Like, hey, God, Nahan Beach or, you know, Good Harbor Beach. Like maybe pray about it. And maybe after you pray about it and you discern, then be on the lookout to see what God has for you. He gives us impressions. He also gives us words. And, and oftentimes I, I, I follow this with impressions because, again, oftentimes the impressions are, are words that God gives us that we know they're not thoughts from us, but they are thoughts from God. Just this last month on May 5th, my wife messaged me, and we have been talking about some things in, in ministry and mission and, and just some challenges and some opportunities. And, you know, that's, I love this, and I, I never tire of, of being a pastor and leading and serving and preaching and all of this. So, so we're constantly having these conversations. And Marsha messaged me, and she said, hey, this morning when I was spending time with God, God said two times, two times more, God, God said, I need you. I want you to pray about it two times more than you think about it or talk about it. I mean, I got I to gotta be honest. That's not really what I want to hear from God because that's a costly instruction. 
to pray about something because we're good at the things that, that we're passionate about or that, you know, we really want to see happen or that we're anxious about. We're really good about thinking about them and talking about them. But God said, two times more, pray about. What about what about March of 2015? I don't have time to tell you the story, but I was in a conference, and it was at the end of a sermon. Maybe God will do this for someone today. And, and the, the pastor was leading us in a time of prayer. And I get on my knees because I'm in an aisle seat, and I just felt like God said, get on your knees. Humble yourself before me. And I get on my knees, and I begin to pray. And the voice of the Holy Spirit so clearly said, Tanner, you are driven, but you are not very desperate. In other words, listen, you work really hard and you, and you want to see me move and you want to see all these great things happen in the city of Boston and in Redemption Hill Church. But listen, you need to hit your knees more and pray more. And, and I just got to tell you, if God ever says two times more or he says be desperate in prayer, okay, that's probably the voice of God. Probably the voice of God. Probably not the voice of the enemy. Probably not your own voice. If I just kind of examine your prayer lives lately. Um, what about this? Vision and pictures. I don't get many pictures Got a couple in my day, but, but some God has wired people and gifted people to see pictures. There is, there is a friend that I have that when he prays, he sees pictures all the time. And, and without fail, those, those pictures encourage people and build them up and strengthen their faith. God gives visions and pictures. He also gives dreams. Listen, is every dream from God, Is every dream have a message from God? No, I would definitely say no. But, but could it be that some of those dreams, God is trying to communicate something to us that's relevant for our lives personally or for someone else? Absolutely. This is what Acts chapter 2 talks about, quoting the prophet Joel in chapter 2. What about circumstances? You say, well, Tanner, show me that in the Bible. How about 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where Paul is talking about uh, being in uh, Troas. Actually, it's, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and, and Paul says, When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was open for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. You say, well, Tanner, what's that got to do with God? Like, that was just Paul. Paul was just like, you know, he just didn't have an easy feeling, and so he moved on. Keep reading. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. Titus wasn't there. Paul didn't have a piece about it. So God is leading him on to Macedonia. We could talk about angels. That's a longer sermon. Signs and wonders, physical sensations. I'm not trying to make you too nervous today. I mean, I can just tell you, I'm driving down the road Thursday. This is just my life this week. And it doesn't mean like I'm super in tune with the Holy Spirit every day. But I was praying Thursday morning, God, just want just to talk with you today. Just want to hear your voice. And we, we took our kids to this amusement park. My dad took our kids. He paid for it. Thank you for grandparents. And uh, we're driving back, and my, dad's, my dad was supposed to, to be, you know, busy this weekend, but, but he had some plans changed. And so that kind of that freed up my weekend. And so I just, I just started thinking like, hey, I have some flexibility tomorrow, Friday, our last day there to go see some friends. 
And I was like, man, you know what? But they're probably going to be busy, and, and I don't even know if they'll get the message, but I'm just going to go for it. And when I thought about seeing Josh Howard for the first time in 22 years, tears welled up in my eyes. And I just sensed God saying, go for it. You need to see him. You've been wanting to see him for a long time. You say, well, that's, 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 that's really simple. That's, that's not much to that. It was to me. And I think it was to him. And oh, by the way, by the end of our conversation, I'm hooking up with one of my best friends who was in our wedding, who's a pastor, who lives two miles from him. Thank you, Jesus. He's so good. He's so good. He speaks to us. And so listen, I really got to wrap this sermon up and I don't have as much time as I want to have to take you through these tools. But I think you're going to forgive me for that. But let me give you two tools for hearing the voice of God as you walk with him. Number one, we need to develop an ear to hear. We need to develop an ear to hear. We need to expect that God will speak to us. This comes from a posture that says, like with the saints through the Bible, here I am, Lord. Speak, for your servant is listening. And we come with a posture of surrender that's not bringing our agenda to the table, but we are bringing a a humble heart that says, God, whatever it is that you want to do, my yes is on the table. This is why if we, if we expect to hear from God, listen, we're going to tuck away. We're going to find time to spend with him. And we're going to linger longer until we get a word, until we, until we know that, listen, listen, we need, the, we need the spirit to speak to us about what the spirit has spoken. I mean, I, w- I would suggest to you that the Holy Spirit, through his convicting work, is speaking to you all the time. You just may not say like, hey, that's the voice of God. But we need the, the, the God, God the Spirit not only to open our eyes to understand, illumine the words of Scripture, but we need the Holy Spirit to help us apply the words of Scripture in specific situations. It, it should be no surprise that when we look at the pages of the Bible, God is speaking in context of prayer and worship. Prayer, I can't tell you how many times I've been worshiping at a, at a worship night or a prayer gathering or a conference or, yes, Sunday morning at Redemption Hill Church where God just whispers something to me. And I know it's just for me. And I know this is going to set the trajectory of my next day, my next week, my next month, my next year, or even my stinking life. You say, Tina, does it happen? Yes, it does. I don't have time to tell you about it right now. (laughs) We expect. The person that does not expect to hear God, A.W. Tozer said, won't. Because every single time God speaks, they will discount it as their own idea. Expect to hear from God. Number two, ask. I want to challenge you. I want to plead with you. Ask God specific questions. I've given you a couple of suggestions already. You're spending time with God. God, this is for me, but, but anyone else? Ask God the, the questions of writing a story. Who, how, when, where, what? These are, these are simple questions that we can ask God and expect his guiding voice to lead us. I would also say as part of this, this part of the tool, grab a journal and write it down. 
when you, when you start to have grow with in confidence that God is speaking to you and he's guiding you and, and, and you're seeing him work and you're seeing the fruit of that and how that's changing your life and the lives of people around you, it will grow your faith and cause your expectation to rise. And then finally, and this gets to the heart posture again, revere. We expect, we ask, and we revere. We say, God, my life is yours. I am available. Whatever you say goes. So that is, that's how we develop an ear to hear. We expect, we ask, and we revere. But now let me give you these five filters really quickly. Whenever you believe you've heard a, a direction from God on a decision or, or something that's happening in your life where you need wisdom or just something that he wants you to share with someone else, you need to run it through these filters because you don't want it to be your voice or your thoughts, but you want it to be something that God has clearly led. And when we listen, when we do that, we do it with humility. I, I believe that God put this on my heart for you. I just want you to pray about it, to think about it. Five filters. Number one, God's word. Does this align with scripture? Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Is this affirmed in scripture? If, if so, we can have more confidence. If it contradicts scripture in any way, then we know it wasn't God's voice and we throw it out. Number two, God's son. Does this bring me or others closer to Jesus? And we've talked about at length today what it looks like to follow him as he leads us. Then, then this one's really, really important. God's people. What do wise, I hope you're writing these down. We're going to come back to the sermon notes so that you can put these filters into practice. What, what do wise Christians say about this? Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. Notice it doesn't say, what is my best friend who always agrees with me? Think about this. No, it's what is the community of faith? And oftentimes, listen, when, when people come to me, sometimes, sometimes it's a clear green light, sometimes it's a clear red light. But oftentimes it's a, hey, I want to pray with you about that. Can we just pray together about that and continue to discern if that's God's voice or another voice? Then listen, God's spirit. I, I love Romans chapter 8 where it talks about God's spirit affirming with our spirit that we are God's children. And listen, if God would do that about the greatest thing in our life, our very salvation and relationship with God, would we not expect him to do that in other areas of our lives? And then finally, this is an ultimate mic drop verse, of course, God's glory. Would this bring, would this, would this word, would this, would this direction, would this decision bring God glory? Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And so listen, I want to invite the band to come out and lead us in a final song. But as they do, I want to ask you just right now in the, the quietness of these moments, just to spend a moment with God. You've heard a lot this morning. We've sung a lot. We've sung prayers to God. We've heard from God's word. I've shared a lot with you this morning about hearing his voice. And maybe, just, just maybe, you would, you would have the faith, the desire that God would deposit in your heart right now just to say, God, I want to walk with you, yes, according to your word and to know your word and to live your truth. But God, I want to hear your voice regularly 
to, to live the life that you've called me to lead in the specific moments and situations, Lord. God, maybe you would put someone on my heart this week that I could just spend a little time with or, or, or serve in a particular kind of way. God, I ask that you would speak to us right now. God, I pray that you would bring an attitude and a posture of surrender where we would just simply put out our hands before you and say, God, whatever it is that you want with my life, my yes is on the table. You can speak to me however you want to speak to me. You can lead me wherever you want me to go. Oh God, I see a church full of people who are daily on their knees expecting and asking and so revering your direction and your voice that they are living the words of Scripture and they are following your voice no matter how you lead, where you lead. Doing it in community, all for the glory of Jesus. And so God, help us to see. Help us to see you. Help us to fight for vision and help us to fight to listen day by day. As you lead us as our good shepherd, we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.